The city of Bloomington is preparing to enact a new sanitation plan to modernize the city's waste management system. The city's plan will end the current system of trash stickers, instead opting for a three-tier monthly flat rate program, upgrading to an automated trash pickups, and introducing a single-stream recycling program. This week on Noon Edition, our guests will discuss waste management challenges that cities face and how local initiatives impact the state and the globe after this hour's news. Production support comes from Smithville Fiber, the Gigacity Company, a philanthropic community partner since 1922 and proud supporter of numerous community organizations. More information at smithville.com. And School of Public Health Bloomington, Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life publichealth.indiana.edu. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with Sarah Whitmire from WFIU and WTIU. She's the News Bureau Chief. City of Bloomington is preparing to enact a new sanitation plan to modernize the city's waste management system, upgrading to automated trash pickups and introducing a single stream recycling plan. Today, we'll be talking about waste management issues here in Bloomington at the local level, as well as in Columbus and on the national and international levels. If you can, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition, or you can join us on the show if you want to give us a call at 812-855-0811 or toll-free at 1-877-285-9348. And you'll be talking with uh, myself and Sarah Whitmire and our four guests. Brian Burton is the head of public works for, the, for Columbus, Indiana. Adam Wason is director of public works here in Bloomington. And Zoltan Elash is uh, the vis- visiting scholar uh, at IU's School of Public and Environmental Affairs. And Carrie Hamilton is a state representative and also executive director of Indiana Recycling Coalition. You can join us on the program at, uh, oh, as I said, 812-855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. So thanks for being here with us, everybody. Thank you. Thank thanks you. for being thanks. here. We're going to go We're going to go right to Adam Wason because we've been talking about Bloomington's changes. So why don't you just go over uh, sort of briefly, give us the, the Cliff Notes versions of what's changing and why. Yep. Oh, well, thanks for having me today. Um, you know, the big thing with uh, Bloomington and what we're trying to do is, and there's a key word here, it's modernize. Um, we're operating a decades-old system of sanitation where our crews are literally lifting thousands and thousands of pounds a day. And so um, we're looking to modernize with a, a system that is automated, and uh, we're doing it for three main reasons. One, employee wellness um, and safety. We've got some of the highest rates of workers' compensation costs in the city in sanitation, and our workers are getting hurt on a regular basis. And uh, so first and foremost, work, uh, workforce safety. Um, second, we're looking at this as a smart city initiative. We need some better data to understand our system. Uh, and third is we've got an aging fleet of vehicles that need some replacement. So uh, what better time to really look at modernization when you've got a, a trifecta of reasons to do so. Could you just go a little bit further on the mm-hmm. Smart City Initiative? So yeah. what do you hope to find out? Well, right now we have no idea who recycles, who puts out track. I mean, it's all anecdotal based on what the crews see day to day. So with a new system, we'll have uh, an RFID, radio frequency ID system on each of the carts. So We'll have, uh, we'll have data on who's doing what and where they're doing it and uh, how much trash they're putting out, how much recycling's going out. And so really just uh, it's an effort to understand our system better and uh, be able to hopefully in the future implement some uh, even more modern approaches to uh, sanitation collection. I want to ask Brian Burton to talk about Columbus's system because you have a system that's similar to what Bloomington's going to do, right? Yeah, we went automated in 2004. Uh, we've got five trucks, five routes that are automated. And like Adam said, you know, the workman's comp issue was a big one. Um, so we looked at it, and, it, and since uh, 2004, we, our workman's comp injuries have really uh, reduced. 
um, drastically. They've uh, the, the guys just you know they operate out of the trucks. It's it's one man. It went from three men on a truck to one man. At, uh, at the residence, it makes it look a lot more uniform with all the toters out there than than cans sitting everywhere and bags and so on. Um, so it's a, it's just been a very successful program. Um, we just currently went to um, the recycle. Uh, we started the recycle curbside recycling program with automated, and it's working great. Okay, we have a phone call already. So uh, let's go to Sarah on the phone. Sarah. I think she typed it in. Oh, okay. So there's a. Type I think she just question. left her question for us question? to take it off air. All right, she, go ahead, Sarah. She was wondering how does single stream recycling work? I'll jump right in this, Adam, again. Uh, so single stream recycling will be a big change for Bloomington. Right now we require uh, separation of the fibers from the plastic glass and uh, aluminum and such. Uh, in the future we'll have one cart uh, that is single stream. So all of your um, recyclables will be able to go into one uh, recycling cart. And, um, you know, we'll still have some pretty um, – uh, we'll be doing a big education and outreach component on how to do single stream recycling with limiting the amount of contamination. So uh, we're going to need to make sure that people aren't putting full bottles of liquids in with their papers and such. So uh, single streams just uh, a more convenient, easier way for folks to be able to recycle compared to now. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I just add to that. Um, single stream is the most convenient way to recycle. And when you make recycling convenient, people participate more often. Um, so it's the way that recycling has gone across the country in most communities. And um, the key is contamination, as Adam mentioned. So uh, making sure you do strong public education to keep contamination out. That's always true with recycling, even more so with a large cart with a closed lid to make sure that the material that's going in is what you need to go in. Mm-hmm. So residents won't have to pay for recycling in Bloomington, right? Uh, no, the, the fee structure is based on the uh, size cart that they'll choose for their solid waste. Um, so uh, it, it's not exactly that it's free. There's still a cost to us as a city to operate a recycling program, but um, the fee structure is based on the cart size for solid waste. So the larger cart size you choose for trash, the higher the fee you'll have for the month. Carrie, could you talk about the uh, about the importance of, of recycling and just about the, the direction of it? I mean, we've been Bloomington's been a, a recycling city. I mean, recycling has been a big issue for a long time, but it seems like it goes up and down in terms of is it really important to recycle? Is it not important? Is it you know is it, is it um, profitable to recycle? Uh, where are we now? Thank you for that fabulous softball question, Bob. I appreciate it. Um, first, I just want to sh- shout out like a kudos to Bloomington for having a great recycling program for a very long time and now taking a smart, common sense step to modernize. Um, I think it's you're going to continue to have great recycling results here in your community, and um, it's just a model for the state. Um, as far as recycling overall. Um, my organization, the Indiana Recycling Coalition, a couple of years ago, we did a study in conjunction with the Ball State um, Public Affairs um, Institute and looked at the economic impact of recycling in Indiana. And it was really, we knew it was going to be, um, the results would show a strong economic benefit, and they really did. Uh, we know that we have 77 manufacturers, at least, that was a snapshot three years ago, um, that rely on recycled feedstock. Those are Indiana manufacturers. I was at a manufacturing logistics breakfast this morning in Indianapolis. We are the biggest manufacturing state in the country, and many of those manufacturers in Indiana, the ones that make glass, paper, plastic, aluminum, steel, rely on recycled feedstock to make new products because when they use recycled material, either they have to because they're set up to only take recycled material, which is often the case for a paper mill, or when they use recycled versus raw, say in the case of glass, using glass cullet, which is broken glass bottles basically, versus the raw material, they save significantly on their energy costs. So the economic impact for Indiana um, is very significant. When we supply local feedstock from our recycling programs to those manufacturers, they're saving on their energy costs. Therefore, they're becoming more competitive in the global marketplace. They're also often using fewer um, toxic materials to make new products because they're you know, melting a can or uh, you know, using broken glass versus a, a slew of raw materials that require other inputs. Um, and then secondly, I'll just mention that that study also looked at if we were to increase recycling in our state, what would be the job creation result of that? So the snapshot... And Bloomington's already ahead of the curve here. But when you look statewide, if we were to increase recycling 25%, which is a very doable number statewide, you would create 10,000 jobs. And that's just the jobs to get the material to the manufacturers, collection, sorting, transporting, and processing jobs. So really great opportunity to grow 
an industry in our state with increased recycling. Okay. Uh, I want to ask uh, Zoltan Ilesh about uh, he's he's here as a visiting scholar in the IU School of Public and Environmental Affairs, and you also served as Hungary's State Minister of Environmental Protection. Correct? That's right. Um, so maybe for the audience is um, clear that I am foreigner in this country for a short period of time as a visiting professor. Mm-hmm. Actually, I am on my sabbatical, and my field of interest is uh, mainly waste management. So I have uh, practical experiences as well as I was the EPA uh, uh, I mean, equivalent in Hungary of EPA administrator for four years. Mm-hmm. So um, I was carefully studying and uh, reading the plan of Bloomington, and I can tell you, as well as to the public who is listening to us, that any city all around the world in United States, in Europe, could be very proud, and any individual of Bloomington could be very, very proud about the plan, what we are speaking about. This is really world-class quality, very high level of uh, policy dealing with waste management, municipal solid waste management. So comparatively to cities in Europe, in western part of Europe, let's say in Berlin, or um, let's say in in Austria, uh, that is really very, very high quality. I have some comments, and maybe that could be also in, interesting for discussion, uh, not only for the colleagues who are sitting here with me, but also f- for the public. Uh, but again, I'm re-emphasizing not enough time that is worldwide class quality, uh, what they are planning to do here, excellent, the most advanced what is available right now on this planet Earth, mm-hmm. according to my experiences and according to my knowledge. What um, I would like to mention, first of all, when I came here to Bloomington with my family, I was very, very much satisfied with the existing system. So what, what is that system? Uh, I had two bins, one for plastic, uh, metal, uh, the other one was for paper. So now I am a little bit puzzled and I was surprised that that will be only single stream, meaning no separate paper collection. Actually, Adam was mentioning that and uh, there, uh, wh- why I was surprised that, that that is their change because how he mentioned already, contamination of paper could cause a problem for those vendors who are bringing paper to the uh, paper mills. So. Uh, What is more advanced system, for example, in Ireland or in Poland in that case? In those countries, you have not single stream, but still uh, uh, dual stream, but uh, on a different way, not paper separately and the rest, meaning plastic, glass and uh, metal, but they have two streams. One is they call dry recyclable and the other one is wet uh, compostable. Uh, so let me elaborate a little bit on dry recyclable. If I would like to throw my ties, ties, that is dry, and of course in that case I will throw into the bin which is called dry and recyclable. Even if that material is not recyclable, or sorry, can be recyclable because that has a plastic basis. I mean ties, generally speaking. Uh, so dry, if I will clean my container of yogurt, clean, wash out, and then I have only the plastic container of my yogurt, that, in that case, that is dry and recyclable. So that will be one stream. The other stream in Ireland, or let's say in Poland, will be wet and uh, uh, compostable. What does it mean? Leftover of food will go there, for example. Container, which is uh, containing remainings of cooked oil, will go there. That is, uh, uh, in that case, recyclable, because that plastic is recyclable, but still will go to that stream, which says that is wet and uh, compostable. Why is that two separation? Because there is a facility after the collection, actually colleagues were mentioning, facility where uh, uh, material recovery will take place. At at that place, doesn't matter which uh, material is arriving, which stream is arriving first, because all the equipments will be used for uh, for separation, for further recovery. So um, I think that is a good idea to have two streams, but you you will be sure that one stream will fit also very well. Why did they choose maybe one stream? 
collection because that is decreasing the costs. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you need same trucks on the very beginning of the day to collect uh, one stream and then to come back for the second stream or separate day to come back for second stream that is increasing the fuel cost, the labor cost, and so on and so forth. Maybe that is the reason, I assume, that that is the reason why they would like to have very efficient, financially speaking, efficient program. That is why they chose a single stream. Mm-hmm. Um, should I continue with the second well, comment? Well, then maybe we will discuss this a little bit. Yeah, we can discuss this. And I want to ask uh, Brian Burton about his system in Columbus. So what, what do, you, do you have a single stream? <clears throat> yeah, we're single stream. Uh, we've got the one truck, one car. And, and like she said, it was, you know, it's convenience. Whatever you can make convenient for the, the homeowner, the resident, that's what they're going to do it. And that's why we've seen such a success uh, at the mm-hmm. start of our program. We started in 2015. We, we'd had some um, couple opportunities for recycling in the past. Uh, Rumpke had a little red bins out that, that people could pay for for the service, the monthly service. Then we also had a solid waste district that people could do a drop-off. Um, we did other kinds of uh, uh, recycling, too. We still recycle. You know, we pick up the brush and the compost, which gets recycled. But the uh, materials curbside we just didn't have so we put this in place and we got 10,000 totes to start with we've got race basically 16,000 residents in Columbus and um, in no time we had out for the first year the end of the first year was 40 percent participation rate so it was just because it was convenient easy um, give them a 96 gallon tote and mm-hmm. it just worked real well Carrie Hamilton uh, thanks, Bob. I, Zoltan brought up the idea of um, wet and dry streams, and I think that's a great point. And how how the industry has evolved in the United States, and I think we'll start to see more and more in Indiana, maybe in Bloomington one of these days, is that this that other stream will become the compost stream. So it's the food waste and the yard waste together. Um, and then the, the recyclable commodities that are going to manufacturers in the other bin. Um, and in fact, I'll, I'll share that the Indiana Recycling Coalition, the organization I, I run, we are the host of a statewide stakeholder group that's active right now called the Indiana Food Scrap Initiative. Um, uh, I, Adam um, and his folks are very involved in the coalition, so the city of Bloomington is very involved in that coalition. We're working to grow the collection of food, compost, and other compostable materials across the state. It's a large part of the waste stream that's not really being addressed in Indiana today. Mm-hmm. So definitely the uh, food waste is one of the most important problems. When we arrived with my family to Bloomington, we realized that we are able to separate 95% of our municipal solid waste into two bins, meaning plastic, glass, uh, iron, as well as separately paper. That was approximately 95% of our household waste. The 5% was a leftover peeling the potatoes, uh, residues from the coffee, whatsoever, food uh, waste as well. But for that, there was no separate collection. And in that case, that was going to that bin, which was collected uh, weekly. So here is the second point what I would like to raise. Um, Previously, I was arguing maybe it's useful to have one stream because that is decreasing uh, the collection costs. On the other hand, I'm surprised that uh, they are going to collect every week recyclables. And according to my experiences, I had a little bit inconvenient problem keeping in my garage into those bins uh, lots of plastic and uh, separated glass or whatever until the collection took place, uh, in physically speaking. But um, a collection of uh, plastic, glass, and iron every week that is again increasing the costs and could be still only after second week, every second week. So my question is why uh, more frequent collection when that is not exactly needed, I mean, needed for a convenience of the public. But from the perspective of the company who is doing the collection, uh, every second week to go there and pick up the uh, recyclable part of the uh, stream, I mean the waste, uh, every second week that is that is fine and not increasing the costs. Mm-hmm. So why change in that case? Oh, I, it, it was a matter of convenience and hearing from the public. You know, we did hear from the folks that said, you know, every other every other week wasn't quite enough. They were, you know, overfilling their bins and, and such. So, um, you know, and this is, uh, so we did choose to go with a weekly uh, recycling, trying to make it more convenient for folks. Um, And, you know, the one great thing about our program and and what we've committed to the city council is that 
as we as we get the data in, as we as we study the program, you know, we're we're willing to be um, uh, nimble and make changes. And, you know, we'll be happy to if if we see things that aren't working well, we'll be happy to uh, look at that and study the data and try to make improvements. So, you know, if we do see in the future that we can lower costs by uh, going back to every other week, certainly something we'd consider. But um, you know, upfront here, we wanted to uh, provide as much opportunity for folks to recycle and 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 do it as um, you know as we'd heard from them. I, I am also very pleased that the municipality of Bloomington decided not to privatize uh, this activity. And uh, I, I agree fully that for protection of workers, to, for workplace protection, health protection, as well as uh, to keep the uh, costs uh, fair enough, that I think that is a very good decision that there is no privatization of this type of uh, activity in Bloomington. Okay, Carrie? Yeah, so I just, um, the question of weekly pickup is a great one, um, that conversation. I just want to add to that. One of the things that's happening across the country is the waste stream is changing. It always changes, and it's changing dramatically right now because of the Amazon effect. That cardboard takes up more space. So I live in Indianapolis. I have to, this this is going to be a kudos both to Bloomington and Columbus. Our program is still way behind both of your communities. I pay almost $100 a year to have a 96-gallon cart for recycling only. It's picked up every other week. And oftentimes, I have two school-age kids. Oftentimes, it's very full. Um, the four of us create a lot of, uh, more than I would like to, of material. Um, <laughs> so just to hit on that point. And um, I want to get back to your original question to me, Bob, about um, the benefits of recycling. I, fr- I, I failed to mention, because I was so uh, worked up about the economic benefits, <laughs> the environmental benefits. And just real quickly, the, the, the simplest way, you know, we know about the resource conservation, you know, cutting down fewer trees, et cetera, et cetera, less mining around the world. But to really boil it down to carbon emissions, the life cycle of stuff of our economy, all of that stuff, is 44% of carbon emissions. So when we reduce, reuse, recycle, and compost, we can have a very significant and cost-effective reduction in carbon emissions compared to other carbon mitigation strategies. Mm -hmm. Um, I agree fully. Um, Only one element which maybe I could raise that is... uh, avoiding the waste at all. And unfortunately, that is not a question of Bloomington or only Indiana. This is a global problem as well as a national problem, meaning state government has a role, obviously, but also states, different states, including Indiana, because recycling is very important. Uh, Avoiding that will also mean less stream or lower amount of waste streams, what then should be recycled? Because still recycling is needed, definitely, that is beneficial for environment, economically speaking, creating jobs, how we heard that. But avoiding, uh, meaning research and development, even on the packaging, and trying to avoid useless packages, and that is possible. Of course, in some cases that is uh, uh, more painful for the companies who are not ready to do it because they already have practices and they don't care about it. That is not their uh, business to do. So from Bloomington perspective, I doubt that there is any opportunity to to try to avoid some uh, some waste because tools are not in hand of mayor's office or not in hand of the leadership of, of the municipality of Bloomington. But that is a very important issue, avoiding. That Absolutely. Is yeah, I couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. So, Adam, one of the things now is people have to buy these trash stickers for their bags. Mm-hmm. So there's a natural built-in incentive to recycle. We have to buy fewer sure. trash stickers. Mm-hmm. So with this new system, you're going to have to pay for your bin mm-hmm. regardless. I mean, I'm sure there have been conversations about are we sort of – Taking away one of those incentives, and maybe people won't recycle as much. Well, uh, that's our, you know, our hope is that no, we're not taking away that incentive. And 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 one of the big things we did, so we we had uh, the sustain of. Um, uh, sanitation Modernization Advisory Committee that we put together last year to uh, study the issues and come up with a recommendation. And uh, in their final report, and what you'll see is uh, the reason we o- offered the three different size carts uh, for solid waste and for recycling is uh, it's built into the fee structure, that incentive. So if, um, if you're able to utilize the smaller uh, trash cart and, um, and you know, increase or re- recycle at the rates at which we currently are, uh, the per gallon rate at which you would pay is lower for the smaller cart than it is for the larger carts. So we, we tried to build the incentive into the fee structure. So um, 
you'll see that we have a range of fees right now listed. Uh, that's because we don't know the, the breakdown of the households, what they're going to choose for their cart sizes. So we didn't have our financial model fully set yet. But in those fee structures, the, um, the per gallon charge is lower for the smaller sizes than they are for the larger sizes, trying to keep that incentive, trying to uh, uh, preserve folks' um, uh, incentive to recycle. We're going to go to a quick call before the break because it has to do with the charges. Uh, Randy's on the phone from Bloomington. Randy, go ahead. Yeah, thank you. Actually, I have questions about almost every issue, <laughs> but I'll start with uh, if, if uh, well, so I'm one of these people that puts out a 32-gallon bin less than once a month, uh, although every once in a while I'll have to put out two, um, and I like that, the flexibility of the tag system. What I'm wondering is with the RFID tags on the bins, why you can't charge per use? Sure. And that's something we absolutely considered as we were studying this issue, and it's something we hope to move to within a few years. Um, you know, what we, didn't ha- what we don't have right now is the, is the data to truly understand how to set those fees uh, for a, a, a pay-as-you-throw automated system where you only pay when you put out uh, the trash. You know, right now, like I said earlier, our, our, our data is anecdotal in the sense that we only understand from what the crews tell us that, you know, on average, a household usually puts out two stickers worth per week. That's, that's kind of what we hear from our, from our crews. Um, but that's not good enough data to put a, a sustainable financial model forward for pay as you throw at this time. Uh, one of the big topics of discussion with the city council was just this. And what we committed to was after we had a few years of good data, uh, we'd certainly look at moving back to a true pay-as-you-throw system. Um, but, but we really need that data before we can uh, um, present something like that to the council. Maybe future development could take place, not now, after five, six years. So future development, like in France, that those uh, uh, trucks which are coming to pick up the curbside waste, they have a measurement opportunity. I mean, the beans will be measured on the truck before, uh, mm-hmm. you know, measuring the weight of the waste. And then, because you have a signaling system, you know that at my Claybridge uh, home, house that is my bean and uh, had, uh, I mean, not only gallon is important, but the actual actual weight of the waste, and you pay after that weight. What does it mean? That is encouraging uh, people to buy less, uh, uh, I mean, less packed waste on one hand. On the other hand, uh, there is a danger. I didn't experience in Bloomington or in nearby area illegal dumping. But uh, in some countries in Central Eastern Europe, the illegal dumping, not by companies, I'm speaking about individuals, to avoid paying any fee, not only $2, but whatever fee, they just put into the trunk of their car and dump somewhere. I didn't see that at Mm -hmm. all. And I am very proud about it. And I'm very pleased that in, Mm -hmm. in Bloomington, in this nearby area, I didn't have that experience. But there is also, uh, uh, if you are pricing is not perfect one, then that there is a danger for that type of illegal dumping. And, I, and I'll just add that we, uh, you know, I had pretty strict instructions from my boss, Mayor Hamilton, that we would look into a, a weight-based program. Uh, you know, unfortunately in Indiana, and I, we couldn't find any models in the states, in the, in the entire uh, United States, but uh, it's an issue of weights and measures. Those scales, the accuracy of those scales, keeping them accurate as you, um, you know, in the winter months compared to the summer months, everything else. But uh, we, we certainly, uh, as soon as we heard that I, that, that concept was out there, uh, I was asked to explore it fully, and it just wasn't available at this time. But we look forward to hopefully moving back towards a true pay-as-you-throw. Okay, I think what we're going to have to do, Randy, I'm going to ask you to hold on. We're going to take a short break. We'll come back with the rest of your questions after we take a, a break here on Noon Edition. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Fiber, online at smithville.com, and IU School of Public Health Bloomington, online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state each day. You can read news throughout the day as it's posted on our website at wfiunews.org. And you can pick up a digest of all the top stories. It's like a newspaper delivered to your inbox each weekday afternoon. 
It's a free and easy way to stay on top of not only the headlines, but also the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIUNews.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times, along with uh, Sarah Whitmire from WFIU and WTIU. And we're talking about uh, waste collection and recycling and all the issues that come along with that. With uh, four guests in the studio, we have Brian Burton, head of public works from Columbus, Indiana, Adam Wason, the director of public works from Bloomington, Zoltan Ilesh, who is the visiting scholar at the IU School of Public and Environmental Affairs, and Carrie Hamilton, a state representative and executive director, the Indiana Recycling Coalition. You can join us on the program at 812-855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. And you can also follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. Before the break, we got a call from Randy, and we had him holding on here. So, Randy, what's your next question? Well, I had a couple on recycling that have been addressed, although not really answered. One is the single stream versus the user sorting, which um, I understood the answer, but it just seems like having the user do some of the sorting makes financial sense. The other is uh, having weekly collections and I sometimes have to put it out of a third bin and store the stuff but um, when you're talking about doubling the cost of collections I just uh, question that that decision um, I'd like to know about um, large item collection I think I saw that in the paper but I don't recall how they do that now now it's it's so simple if you put it out a couch you put two stickers on it and you're done. Sure. Um, I, I think you have to make special arrangements now. Yeah, so, um, you know, our large, our large, large item pickup program right now does. It requires two stickers. It's it's $4 for, to, for us to take away a couch for you. And uh, we did, you know, we want to maintain a program where we're doing large item. We do want to uh, cover our costs a little bit better. Um, you know, so we're moving to a program where you just have to call ahead. Uh, you, you'll need to call ahead for large item or appliance pickup, and then there will be a $10 flat fee for a large item. Um, it is an increase in cost to the customer, but that doesn't even still begin to cover the true cost of taking away that uh, large item, um, whether from the labor or the disposal uh, cost. And so uh, the program we've put forward is um, you, you ju- we'll just need to um, ha- have residents make a phone call to our, our main sanitation line uh, by 8 p.m. the night of their pickup and let us know that they've got it. Um, and, and the overall, re- one of the big reasons we're doing this is we'll be able to use a route optimization software system for uh, for pickup then. So uh, we'll get those addresses that have li- large item for any given day. Uh, we'll put those addresses into our software system and it'll optimize the route for the driver so that we're as efficient as we can be picking up that, those large items. And, uh, um, and you know, again, small, somewhat of an increase in cost here, but again, doesn't even begin to cover the true cost of, of that pickup. And also helping the crew members. I mean, mm-hmm. I can imagine two of them are trying to throw the yep. big couch mm-hmm. on the truck. I mean, that you have to optimize somehow. Yep. So we're, we're looking to purchase what they call a grapple loader. It's a really awesome machine. Uh, truck there uh, that has a small crane on it and a uh, large bed in the back, so uh, it'll be a, a more automated system where our guys, where our crews are not, uh, you know, manually loading the, those those large and heavy items. Randy, do you have a last question? Uh, well, it's probably more complicated, and that has to do with one of the main reasons for this is the workman's compensation costs and. Um, I just wonder why a job that's been done for decades, suddenly it sounds like you're saying we're too feeble of people to muster work no that's do this job. well what, what what our what our what we're trying to do is it's 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 beyond workers compensation costs it's it's actually workforce wellness and workforce safety so uh, recently was uh, talking with some folks um, and uh, uh, being a sanitation worker in the system that we're operating under right now is considered to be the fifth most dangerous job in the country. Um, that's a that's that's more dangerous than being a police officer, a firefighter. Um, you've, it, it, when you look at OSHA statistics, it, it, being a, a sanitation worker in a manual system is one of the is in the top five most dangerous jobs in the country. Uh, you have workers out there in all elements, whether it's heat or uh, cold in the winter. 
they're they're literally hanging on to the back of a truck where they're standing on a platform and and holding on as the trucks move through the neighborhood. Um, it, it's not only the injuries that are related to uh, loading the trash where. Um, you know they're picking up thousands of pounds a day. It's it's the on and off. You know they're they're servicing probably about six to seven hundred households each per day, and so that's you know roughly probably about five hundred times that they're getting on and off that truck and as they move through the neighborhood. So uh, it's not just the lifting injuries; it's the fall injuries. It's the you know uh, the the true danger of the job, and so that that's where we're really coming from. At, uh, the standpoint we're coming from, it's it's bigger than workers' compensation costs. It's actually actual employee wellness and safety. Randy, thanks okay. for your call. We're, gonna, we're really going to have to move on. We've got yeah. other callers. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Brian, thanks you said that you had noticed a decrease. I mean, what what were your sort of injuries and things like that prior to? And then if you can compare that to now, what, you've, what you're seeing? Well, there was times they'd pick up bags. It'd be a piece of glass, stick it out of the bag. They wouldn't have no idea. We had one guy sling it up, and it uh, cut the back of his leg. He had 14 stitches in his leg. Um, there'd be broom handles. They'd be going to pack it, and they'd be back of the truck, and he might smack them in the arm or the head. Uh, just multiple injuries, um, stuff, you know, the, the liquids would splash out of the back of the truck as, as the compactor would pack it. Um, so you'd see all kinds of things. Like Adam said, you know, getting up and down the truck, getting in and out of the truck, the cab of the truck. Uh, as they make trucks now, they're, they're a little taller than what they used to be. So just, just climbing, um, like I say, and you don't know what the residents are actually putting in the trash. Uh, we've had uh, chemicals. You know, you get uh, pool chemicals at one location and you get another chemical at another residence. And you get them in there compacted, and they, they mix. Then you get fumes. Um, so there's multiple injuries that you could see. And right now, with your current system, they're not even getting out of the truck. Exactly. They're in the truck. They'll have to, you know, every now and then a toter might um, tip over or something might fall out. They'll get it, but but they're not. the truck's not actually compacting at that time. They'll get back in. They'll compact it. Um, the heat, the cold, um, you know, if there's storms, rain, they used to have to stop. If we had lightning, we'd have to pull the truck over because we didn't want the guys out working, in, you know, in the storms, thunderstorms, lightning, and so on. So now they just keep moving because they're all, you know, isolated inside the cab of the truck. Uh, they've got, like I say, the air, the heat. Um, so it's just a, a lot different for the employee, just a, so much better. All right. Our phone numbers again are 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or toll-free 1-877-877. 285-9348. We had a question uh, from a caller. Uh, this is really a philosophical question. Uh, it's sort of a political question. Um, why does Zoltan, and I guess the rest of you, assume that governments have an incentive to act efficiently? Isn't this just another expensive tax? In several cases, it uh, turns out that government could be efficient. Um, local governments are serving uh, the public, according to my standpoint. Uh, they would like to be seen popular by the public. They would like to satisfy the public. Um, to, uh, to satisfy every single individual, that is not possible. I mean, that is out of question. You try your best, and the best result could be that majority of the public is satisfied. Doesn't matter are you this side, politically speaking, or that side. But waste management is not related to this political or that political wing. Everyone is producing, and we, all of us, we have to deal with that waste. Decision makers uh, on local level, I believe in this case, they did the best. Um, I, I compare with European standards, EU practices, and what Bloomington does, or what is the plan that is really the excellent, excellent plan. Maybe there are two op uh, new opportunities for further development, and I would like to mention that. Mm -hmm. In Germany, for example, disposal of municipal uh, waste is zero pound. That is law, legally speaking, in Germany. At What's that mean? Can you explain that further? Yeah. What's that mean? I mean, uh, um, at any municipality in Germany, they are not disposing the leftover after the res uh, recycling. They are disposing zero amount of zero pound. So legally speaking, there is a law which is a very huge incentive for reusing and recycling. Uh, they, according to the law in Germany, uh, they companies are not disposing. There are no disposal fields anymore. Uh, what does it mean? That physically speaking, after the collection, they are recycling everything. Or they are treating, for example, uh, that waste, uh, we spoke about it, organic type of waste for composting. 
and then and then and the leftover of leftover of leftover will be disposed. But that is a minimal amount. I know that here in Bloomington you are following the Minnesota Pollution Control Agency and Hennepin Country objectives. And you have that uh, plan, and that is also, I mean, has an objective to decrease till 2025, 2030, the amount what uh, will be disposed in the landfill. So that is a good uh, way to decrease the disposable, uh, and that means that recycling. Uh, will be in higher percentage, bigger percentage. But uh, already in Germany, uh, they achieved that goal to a certain extent. Carrie? Thinking about the tax issue from a kind of a macro level, um, uh, looking, Zoltan can speak to this uh, probably better than I can, but in Europe and also in Canada, um, there's a there are standards called re- producer responsibility. Um, so the manufacturers of those packaged goods, the packaged material that's most of our recyclable stream, um, those manufacturers pay for the recycling programs, as opposed to here in the United States where the resident, the taxpayer, takes on full burden for the waste stream, whatever it's consisting of. Mm-hmm. Well, can I just add also, I think, Carrie, from your perspective as a state legislator and from your Adam and Brian, your perspectives as working for a city, I mean, it. it I think the questioner, he sort of hit the nail on the head with all questions that government has to deal with. It's how much are people willing to pay for the services that they want the the city or the state to do? Sure. I, and I'll just jump in here, too. Um, and, and in response to that is, you know, with sanitation services, it's a health and safety issue for the community. You know, we want to make sure we're providing sanitation services that, that protect the health and safety of the community. So uh, there are all the environmental benefits of recycling and such, but there are also, you know, whether it's um, – there are the health and safety aspects of it. And, and sanitation services I, I truly consider to be one of the most core functional – core um, services that city government offers. Um and so, uh, you know, we, we certainly thought about that as we were going through here. And uh, one thing I'd like to point out in terms of the fee structure we put forward is, is uh, we're going to continue um, operating with support from the general, uh, general fund, the general property tax base. Um, that was a big commitment from, the, from day one when we started looking at this program was, you know, we understand that folks pay uh, a, a level of property tax in, in this community, and, and we wanted to continue using some of that support for this program. Um, as we become more efficient, as we become uh, as we become more efficient with the system as we move forward, um, you know, we're hoping to lower that level of support, but this, this wasn't the whole intent of this program was to uh, increase the level of service, uh, both internally for our staff members and externally for the community, and, and do so at the lowest possible cost we could. And like any time, you know, any kind of initial startup or anything is going to be costly. And for this program, it's it's got a huge cost to it. But in the long run, it's very efficient. Uh, you know, you're going from three men to one man. You can use those two men uh, doing something else. You know, within to, to provide another service within the community. So so startups always a, a huge cost, and, and but it's uh, very efficient. Uh, sanitation is one of those things that most people just take it for granted. They throw it out there until there's a change. And then they and then they question it. So it's a, it's a it's yep. like Adam said, it's a health and safety issue. But it's uh, something that we work with every day, and we, and we see it, and we we try to make things as efficient as what we can. And um, when people see the change, that's when it's kind of. But that is agree. why uh, education programs are very important, and dissemination of information on daily basis. So not only campaigns, but continuation all the time, like we are on this show. That is also dissemination of the information because. Everyone could take granted that sanitation doesn't cost anything. That is not true at all, even if they are not considering. Uh, by the way, as a professor, I bring my students to incinerators and also to landfills, and those are excellent experiences, uh, not only for young people, uh, not only for students from university. So uh, if I will have the power to bring all people once in their life to the waste disposal site or to, let's say, incinerator, I think that will be very beneficial and useful for the public as well. Mm-hmm. So again, knowledge and education and dissemination of information is important, very, very important. So we have a question from Twitter, someone wondering how much recycled material actually gets reused. Carrie? <laughs> um, I get that question on a very regular basis. And there there are valid reasons that people wonder. Um, they hear the stories about the truck that doesn't go to the recycling center, that has the recyclables on it or whatnot. But by and large, I can tell you, if a community has set up a collection system for recycling, 
they aren't going to then pay someone to dispose that material after they've handled it in a certain way, already made the investment in handling it a certain way. They're going to sell that material, and that will help offset the costs of collection. Um, so, in historically, so recycling markets have evolved over time. We have strong markets. Communities across the state have strong relationships with those markets, or their um, contracted service providers do. Um, so that material is going to our manufacturers, and I, I can tell you um, that there's strong demand in Indiana, in the Midwest, and across the globe for that material. Um, so you know there may be an instance here or there, a one-off where something doesn't end up at the right place, but. I would say 99% of the time it's getting recycled. All so, right. We have rest a, assured. Let me give our phone numbers again. We have about eight minutes to go. 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or toll-free 1-877-285-9348. And you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. We did have a caller who then um, had a question on the board and he's no longer there. But it was about recycling centers. You know, we have a couple of recycling centers in our community. Adam, will this have any impact on them? Uh, you know, we uh, the Monroe, Cal- Monroe County Solid Waste Management District uh, operates our recycling centers both uh, on South Walnut Street and at the rural location. So th- that's a separate entity from the city of Bloomington. Uh, we appreciate all their efforts. Uh, actually, uh, the executive director there, Tom McGlasson, helped serve on our advisory committee. Um, so, no, it won't impact those Monroe County sites um, uh, w- with the program we're moving forward. Uh, speaking about recycling centers and also uh, I would like to mention the importance of some incentives, uh, not only for recycling, but for example, in Europe, again, my experience is telling, um, there is a, a tax on uh, disposal. So th- for those who are operating landfills and disposal side, each ton of waste, uh, they are adding uh, by government law 80 to 100 US dollars per ton. Uh, because the operators of landfills, if those are private operators, they are very happy not to see recycling at all because they will get uh, revenue if the truck is arriving and disposing the waste. But this is not the intention of the society. I mean, and if those landfills will be filled up, in that case, again, there is a problem where to bring the... So that is the reason why in Europe... In all countries, there is an incentive system, I mean a tax, on one hand that is taxing those who are disposing, and that alternates from the disposal side, from the landfill, the waste, again supporting uh, recycling and recycling centers. We have a few questions here, just to make sure we have time to get them in. Um, Sarah from Bloomington wondering how will automated pickup impact parking? Will it somehow be semi-automated because streets are so crowded? Uh, You know, so we'll be... we're actually looking house by house right now and have been for the last several months about exactly how we're going to need cart placement and such. Uh, on day one, um, we won't, we're not buying all the trucks on day one. We're going to retrofit some of our trucks to do rear loading uh, instead of just side loading. But uh, there will be even, you know, um, for in uh, years to come, there will still be homes that we won't be able to service with those side loaders because of a very narrow street or uh, some on-street parking issues. But uh, we we estimate that no more than 15% of households in, in the long run will still need to be rear load. Um, so about 85% is our hope uh, for the side load. But we do know we'll, we'll have some areas where we won't be able to do the side loading. Okay. We have a phone call. Let's go to uh, Arvitz in Bloomington. Go ahead. Uh- Yes, I, I have a question on what is being done to incentivize companies to use more recyclable packaging. Uh, I find that there's still an awful lot of packaging that does not have any recycling codes. And, uh, for example, like uh, your potato chip bags uh, don't have any recycling codes. Uh, some uh, cookie packaging does not. And I called one of those companies at one time and asking them, uh, why don't you put a recycling code on there? And they said, well, the material's not recyclable. Well, why not? Uh, supposedly, they use some kind of multi-layer uh, plastic in their uh, packaging, and because of that, it is not recyclable. Well, uh, I don't know. I would think that they should be in- incentivized to use different packaging, maybe two bags instead of one multi-layer bag or something like that. So um, can you explain Let, Yeah, let's, get, let's ask Carrie first. Yeah, that's a great, great question. So um, timely also, the Indiana Recycling Coalition has our annual conference next week, and our keynote speaker is the 
packaging director for Procter and Gamble, and he's coming to talk to us about their international goals of. Um, sustainable packaging planning, how they're working to make all of the packages for all of their products more sustainable. Um, all of the major brand owners of consumer goods, anything you would buy on the, you know, down the aisles of your grocery store or big box store, um, come from these companies that are starting to, the light bulb's going off. In, in other countries, like Europe and Canada, they are paying for the end of life of those products, so they're thinking a little bit. But now the conversation's heated up in the United States, where their R&D headquarters are, and they're doing a lot of work. There's an organization called the St- Sustainable Packaging Coalition that they've formed um, to look at these issues. They're starting to come up with some better labeling for the products that are recyclable or compostable. Um, and working to change some of the packaging streams so that if they aren't already recyclable or compostable, they, be, they become so. Um, that multi-layer plastic and aluminum film products are a big problem. Um, the industry is working hard to change that. But, so, one minute. Yes. Yeah. Um, eco-friendly packaging uh, should be uh, cheaper and not eco-friendly should be more expensive. How could you achieve that? Either market will value it. Mm-hmm. Yes or not. But that is the role of the government, local, if possible, and national governments or state governments, that they will introduce fee saying, packaging fee or product fee, which is not environmental friendly or not recyclable. Then there is a fee. And everyone will be very happily in the industry to change into the recyclable packaging, for yes. example. And that's so that is intensive pressure on them, but on the other hand, incentive for research and development. And that's the more advanced sort of government incentive. We, you mentioned earlier, Zoltan, the idea of um, the landfill fees to disincentivize disposal. In the United States, we have relatively cheap disposal. In the Midwest, extremely cheap disposal. In Indiana, just about the cheapest. And our state fee of $2 that's supposed to be invested in recycling programs, and, and today a little bit of it is, um, very small percentage is still being invested in to in, grow recycling in our state. Um, that $2 is lower than all of our surrounding states, let alone the coastal states that have upwards of $10 plus a ton mm-hmm. uh, to disincentivize disposal. Last very quick question for Adam, and it came from one of our callers who's no longer on the line about recycling at uh, apartment complexes. Uh, yeah, so I do know city councils continue to look at this. I, I, I know that, that that's a goal of theirs to um, uh, get that implemented uh, in the near future. Um, but, you know, that's really rest in the hands of city council. And okay. uh, the last thing I'd just like to add is we, we know this is a big change for Bloomington. Change can be hard, but we're going to do our best to make it easy on folks. Zoltan, 10 seconds. Excellent changes, worldwide class uh, quality. We didn't mention one issue, and I'm just for the audience and for our colleagues, diapers <laughs> in the waste. And that is very unique and very important issue statewide. Uh, there are some solutions, for example, practices in Italy. There are good examples. Okay. Diapers. All right, diapers. We'll do another program. Gotta on go. That. <laughs> All right, gotta go. Great. What a thank you. <laughs> Brian Burton, Adam Wayson, Zoltan Ilish, and Carrie Hamilton for producer Ryan DiBattista, engineer Mike Pashkash, and Sarah Whitmire and Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you.